Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you that we are here today. That, Lord, we're here. We pray now that you will open up our hearts, open up our mind into, into the words that we're going to hear, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you'll just anoint the very words that come from my mouth. In your name, amen. You know, a few weeks ago, I, 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 we started to dream. We sowed some seeds about actually what it would be like. And actually, we, we, I started from it, and it was based around Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply, gently within us. Now, if you remember, I'm gonna, and I'm going to recap for those that won't hear a couple of weeks ago. We talked about four dream busters. We talked about frenemies. Remember frenemies? About swimming with dolphins, not with sharks. About how people can have influence over us and how people, that if we don't surround ourselves with the right people, they can rob us of our dreams. We talked about fatigue, about sometimes when we're on the journey, we can get tired. We can get fatigued. We can feel that we're just plodding on. Guys, there's no harm in stopping and taking rest. You can't push through when you're absolutely shattered. Sometimes you just need to stop. You need to stop. You need to reassess. And guys, the other one was we can't be afraid of failure. Nobody likes to fail. I am the worst in the world. I hate to fail at anything. I was doing something this week for one of our trustees and I thought I'd done a really good job and I sent it to him and he said, no, I don't like that. Can you do this? And I, all right, I redid it. And I redid it three times. And the heading on my email was, I will not be beaten. And actually, I sent this and, and I did get it right eventually, but I hate to fail. And sometimes, you know, in order to fail, we have to try. And actually, it's better to have tried and failed than not to have tried at all. Don't be afraid of failure. You know, last week, Anita did a great job communicating to us about fear, which was one of the points. And actually, how we need to be persistent in faith, not fear. Be persistent in our faith, not fear. Be persistent. Get a clear picture of the dream. Write it down. Journal it. Identify the problems and the issues and work through them. Work out how do we overcome these problems. I love the quote, and I used it last time, and I'm going to use it again. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. William Carey. Then there was the, what type of dreamer are you? Are you a person with no dreams? Lots of people live from day to day. We need to have a dream. Some people just survive day by day. We need to be people that have a vision. Chris said it, without a vision, people perish. I love the fact that Steve has got such an incredible vision and passion for this church, for this city. And actually, we need to engage that. We need to get behind it. We need to push it. We need to support Steve in every, every which way we can. It might be small dreams, but actually small dreams can be a dangerous place because we don't allow for the God factor. We can have small dreams and accomplish them in our own capabilities. Sometimes we need to allow for the God factor, and that's where small dreams can be dangerous. We can have wrong dreams. Don't waste your time on the wrong dream. 
Sometimes we can get caught up in, in needless wastes of time and waste of energies. We need to focus. Don't get caught with the wrong dream. Then we talk about vague dreams. You might say, Ashley, I want to use my life to serve God. I want to make my life count. My word for last year was to be intentional. To use my time, to use my resources, to use my effort, but be intentional with what I was doing. If you stop and you think about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, does it add benefit? Does it drag you down? Does it lift you up? Be intentional with what we do. Then we came to the do it now. And actually as a church, we, we talked about actually stepping out, about moving forward. And I'm excited about what God's got. And I love the fact that over the last few weeks, all the ministry that we've had has dovetailed in. It's almost like someone's got a plan, isn't it? It's almost like someone's trying to talk to us on the same thing, that we're being pushed gently towards something. Dare to Dream, part two, for me. And, and, and this is really something that I can honestly say that I've done. This isn't something that I'm going to speak on and say, I've got it from a textbook. This is real life for me. How do we dream big? You've heard, yeah, I want to inspire you, but actually I want to give you this morning the tools to actually do that. Some principles that I've used in my life that me and Rachel have used in our ministry with World of Worth to actually give you the tools so you can not just dream big, but actually you can have the resources to do it. The first step, there's, there's eight steps. Now, don't worry, when I say there's eight steps, they're short steps. All right, it's not going to be a long-winded preach. But actually, there's eight steps. And step one is open your mind to God. Spend time focusing with God. Get God's perspective. Create some space. Put your phone down. Get off Facebook. I've said it time and time again. If we all spent, Dave Scribb is laughing his head off at this point. Because I've never known anybody spend so much time on Facebook. But actually, if we spent as much time on reading our Bible and resources itself as we, do, as, we, as we do on Facebook, this church, you, would be in a completely different element. We would be so much further forward. A foolish man. To sorry. A man is foolish to trust himself, but those who use God's wisdom, we are safe. Proverbs 28, 26. Don't just think that actually... Sometimes, when we don't open our hearts and we don't open up our mind to what God is trying to communicate to us, we can get it wrong. Because our thinking isn't necessarily God's thinking. Our way so often isn't God's way. And what we do, we go off on a journey, we start off on a tangent, and we start down a road that actually isn't the way that, we, we, that God wants us to go. You might start a business, you might start something up, and you go, actually, why is God not blessing this business? Did you really seek the face of God before you start that business? 
Did you get the inspiration from God to do that business or was it the cheese you ate before you went to bed? Sometimes we need to allow, we need to create space to allow God to speak to us. We need to know what God's will is. We need to open up our hearts and our minds to allow God to speak. And actually, you can't be afraid of what he's going to plant in your heart. You can't be afraid of what he's going to plant in your mind and you go, actually, is, is that really from God or am I just, am I, am, I, am I making that up? You will know. I can tell you now from personal experience when God speaks to you, it is a scary place to be because it gets you out of your comfort zone. Trust me, I'm here right now. But actually what I know is what God calls you to do and what he, equip, he will equip you to do. He will never let you down. He will never fail you. You know, step two is get the facts. Proverbs 18, 13 says, What a shame, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. Wow. Do your due diligence. I'm, I am one of those people that I get an idea and I go, Oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to go off, I'm going to do that. And I remember I rang Rachel from India. A few years ago, and I've gone, Ray, I've got a really, really good idea. We're going to open a chicken factory. We're going to generate money for WOW, and we're going to do this. And she's gone, what? I've gone, no, 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 it's a really good idea. I've spoken to the man, and he's told me that he made lots of money. So, and this is where Rachel, I call her the joy robber. Because <laughs> she's not here. And she's gone, okay, what's the cost involved? What's it going to cost us to buy the building? How much do we sell the chickens for? How much is the feed? How much is this? Is there a good water supply? Is there this? And she just, instantly, she just robbed my joy. But actually what she did was bring balance to my enthusiasm because what she was doing, she was bringing, and I was starting to get the facts and the reality. So sometimes we can have a great idea, but we need to check it out. We need to make sure that it's a solid idea. You need to make sure that People in the UK will like coffee all the way from Rwanda. And what a great success. Because you see all God in everything he's doing. Step three is we need to get wise counsel. There's the been there, done that principle. You need to get more advice. Sorry, Proverbs 24, 6 says, the more advice you get, the more likely you are to win. Proverbs 20.18 says, get good advice and you will succeed. Getting that advice from Rachel, as painful as it was, was actually good advice. And I hate, don't you just hate it as a husband having to say your wife was right? <laughs> Seriously. It's easy that she's not here. But actually what I did was actually get wise counsel. And throughout my life, I have been so blessed so so blessed that I've had good people around me people that would say don't do that don't be a muppet what are you doing that for you need to do this have you thought about this thankful so so thankful for incredible people that I've had around me
our human nature sometimes, we can be afraid to ask the question. We can be afraid, I don't know about you, but in, in my job prior to this, doing this, I would be on courses. And, and I'll touch on that later. And all the courses that I went on, I was that really, really annoying person who would stuck his hand up and go, can I just ask a question? Can, how, you're saying I need to do that, but how do I do that? You're saying that I need to do that, but actually, what do I need to do that? Don't be afraid to ask the questions. There's nothing wrong in asking a question. Don't be afraid. People aren't going to, actually, I guarantee you that when I asked that question in the room of 20 people, there was probably another 15 people going, oh, I'm glad he's asked that question. Because they didn't want to put their hand up. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Step five is count the cost. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly only to later consider his, wow, his vows. Proverbs 25, 25. Ask yourself, is it necessary? What will the cost be? It might not just be money, it might be time. It might take resources. It, it, it might, might get you out of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to count the cost. Is it, gonna, is it worth it? Is it really going to add value to what I'm doing? Step six is plan for problems. <laughs> Nobody likes to plan for problems. I am the worst in the world, if I'm honest. If we say, right, we're going to go do this, this, and this, immediately I'll go, well, what about that? What about this? Ah, traffic could be really bad if we drive up there at this time. What about that? Well, oh, oh, I, I can come up with a... I tend to plan in my head and immediately I will think of, by my natural way that my brain is wired, I will come up with problems. You know, working with Steve. <laughs> because I can say something, he will say something and immediately I'll go, yeah, but have you thought about this? And what about that? And what are the repercussions of that? And if we do this, what about that? And he'll... He just goes, yeah, but, but God, and I've got the faith to do this, and I've got the faith to do that, and I believe that God's calling us to do this, and, I and I'm going, yeah, but, and he goes, no, but God. And I can sit and I can argue it through in my rational mind, but God's given him a vision, and he's given him something to, to move into and to step forward into, and actually, but God. Expect the best, but plan for the worst. Murphy's Law. Sometimes our human nature is actually, oh no, what's going to happen? But actually, as Christians, we have that inner belief, that inner foundation, that inner strength that we know, but God. Step seven. We're getting there. Step seven is face your fears. Another proverb, 29, 25. Fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. The fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God 
in safety. You know, courage is standing up and, and facing the fear and doing the hard thing. Nobody likes to stand and nobody likes to do the hard thing. But actually what I would tell you is when you stand with the call of God on your life, when you stand with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, actually you stand ten feet tall. And no man, no woman can question what God is doing within you. You know, step eight is to start and do something today. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't be one of those people that goes, what if? But what if, I, I don't know whether I want to do that. You know, Rachel's a planner. She will sit and whenever we travel anywhere, she will write a list to the details of how many socks she will take on a trip. Too much information. I don't need to know that. I just grab a load and chuck them in. You can get them washed. I don't, you know, it's a man thing. Turn them inside out. It's like du <laughs> double the value, isn't it? But actually, sometimes, you know, we can, we can spend so long planning that we miss the actual opportunity. Hannah was a kid. Hannah, our daughter, she would have the, the girl come in next door, her friend from next door, and they would spend ages building this ornate tent in our conservatory they would reposition the chairs they would get the table they would get little piles of books they would spend ages getting ready to play and just as they're about to start to play the phone would beep and it was her mum next door saying you need to come home and have your tea <laughs> and they spent so long preparing that actually what they did they missed the opportunity to actually use what they'd done to use the resources that they'd set out. Don't miss an opportunity. You can sit on the launch pad and go, I'll do that. I'll do that when the kids have gone to university. I'll do that when I retire. I'll do that when I've got this amount of money in the bank. I'll do that when actually I feel that I'm ready to do that. Think about Peter stepping out the boat. He must have been like that. Do I do it? Don't I do it? Do I do it? Don't I do it? Actually, but what he did, he took that step. And you tell me, anybody else in the Bible who walked on water? Don't miss that opportunity. Do something today. Now, you might say to me, okay, you've given me eight keys. Eight keys that I can use in my life. They're great, but is that just a pastor's illustration? It's not just a pastor's illustration for me. These are the principles that I've used in my life. Back in 1987, 1987, sorry, 1997. <laughs> oh, I've aged myself suddenly then. I was looking at it and thinking, back then I didn't wear glasses. But in 1997, I was working as a mechanic. I was getting greasy hands, dirty fingernails. And in 1997, I went to India for the very first time. I'm going to show you a picture. There you go. Hey, that is me in 1997. That is, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy on the end with the blue coat and the glasses. No, I'm, 
1997, I went to India for the very first time. And you know what? I did that trip with my parents for the very first time. And that's a, it's a shame. If you're on social media, look me up on, on Facebook and you'll see a better picture. And I'm going to tell you a story now about how I wasn't prepared for that missions trip because nobody told me anything. So I went to India. It's a hot country. It's, it's, it's you know, you're, you're living with people, you're living in hotels, so I'm thinking, well, that's okay. I'm shorts. I'm always in shorts. Anybody who knows me knows me that I'm always in a pair of shorts. Shorts, flip-flops, vest tops, short t-shirts, all of that. 85 degrees of heat, I'm in shorts and flip-flops. Now, the first morning that I went down to stay, we were staying with one of the local pastors. I went down in a vest top, in a pair of flip-flops, and a pair of, of shorts, and <gasps> I, it's like I'd committed the cardinal sin. She came running towards me with this blanket, and she just said, no, 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 no. And I had to go back upstairs, and I had to change. And I'm like, seriously? I'd taken one pair of trousers and one shirt, and that was for Sunday. Those trousers that you see me wearing, I'd worn those trousers every day for three weeks. If you look at that picture, there are stains down them, there's marks down them. I did not bring those trousers home. They stood in a hotel room on their own while I took them off. They were absolutely... But we talk about preparation. We talk about knowledge. We talk about being prepared for what's ahead and how important it is to, to be given those resources. And I say that for multiple reasons because actually we're talking about teams. That teams night is a resource for you to come and to hear. To actually resource what, what we're going to expect. What we'd like you to do. How you can best serve the church. Don't wear the same trousers for three weeks. They really, really are uncomfortable. But actually... What happened during that trip in 1997, God gave me my dream. I remember specifically where I was. I could go stand there, and I do go and stand there when I go back to India. And, and I stood and I just looked, and it, it really wasn't me. Got to be honest, mum and dad were there. I was there just to keep them happy and, and to keep our project leaders happy. And I stood and all of a sudden, this little girl was stood with our project leader, and, and she stood Karen behind his leg. And she was just holding on. Her head was shaved. She was scaly. She didn't look well. So I just said to her, we didn't have kids. I was 27. I really wasn't that fussed at that point. And I said to him, well, what's her story? And he said, well, her name's Christina. She's been in the home for the last three days. Three days ago, both of her parents died in a fire. And you, you, you hear those words, and immediately, yes, I was filled with compassion. I was filled with tears in my eyes and all of those things that naturally we have. And I stood there and, and you know, I went to my bag and, and actually got some sweets. She wouldn't even take sweets. Now, how many people know kids that won't take sweets? That's, that's when you know that they're struggling. And I, I, I knelt down and I, I, I just, you know, Gradually she came over and I picked her up and I held on to her. And it was one of those moments that you go, and God's just gone, and what are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about this? 
And I stood for a few moments, and I, and I, I did, as we've heard so many times throughout the Bible, you go, people go, but God, is it, is, I don't have the skills. I don't have the resources. Are you really, really speaking to me to do this? Or is it that curry that I ate last night that's, that's repeating on me? But actually, God was really speaking to me. And what I knew from that moment on is I had to do something. And I had a vision then, at the age of 27, that one day I would take over from my parents. Now, that didn't happen straight away. And, and it was an eight-year, nearly an eight-year journey where we were given huge curveballs, times of desperate, desperate times where we thought it would never happen. Times where we went to certain households in Paynton and we cried. And we cried. And we were giving pasties. So you can work out who that was. I honor the woman of God this morning for everything she's poured into us. We are where we are today because of you and Mike. You know, those eight years were full of stress. But also they were full of opportunities and curveballs that sometimes opportunity where that's got to be God. You know, in, in 2000, I had the opportunity to go into business with one of my best friends. And, and for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. We couldn't raise the funds. And, and I've just had to say to him, look, you do it on your own. Twelve years later, he sold that business for seven and a half million pounds. Missed opportunity. You know, within a, a few months later, I was given the opportunity to become the youngest operations manager for the company I was working for. To, to have all the responsibility and all of the things. And I did that. And you know what? During that time, every single course that I went on, Every single training session that I went on was a time of preparation and a time of training that has equipped me to do exactly what I'm doing today. Thousands of pounds were spent. I love this. Then in 2002, I was offered, and I was talking about this yesterday when we were watching the football, I was offered my dream job. I was offered a, a director's job setting up a tool hire division in Canada. I literally, they said to me, we want to book the tickets for you, for you and your family to go next week. And I've had to go, okay, I just need to think about this. We knew that God was calling us to do well. And I've gone, okay, well, what do we go with that? And, and I had to come back with the excuse of actually now's not the time for us. We, we were looking for, to, to have another child. There was, there was lots of stuff going on. But that is the biggest curveball. And then they emailed me the salary package. Oh my goodness. But you know what? I knew God had called me. And actually what I did was get people around me. People that I trusted. People that were resourceful. Went through the principles that we had and said, okay, does it fit? Does this work? Does this happen? Have you allowed for this? Have you allowed for that? Have you prayed about it? We prayed about it. Had no peace whatsoever. And I had to ring on the Monday and say, actually... I don't want that job in Canada because, and I gave the reasons why, and my boss 
turned around to me, the CEO, actually it was the CEO of the company at the time, he turned around to me, he said, okay, everybody else I know would have gone to Canada, had the two weeks holiday, came back, and then told me they didn't want the job. He said, your integrity and the way that you conducted yourself is commendable. He said, and I, I want to tell you that the next regional director's job in the UK is yours. And I've gone, oh, really? But everything I went through was a season of preparation, a season of preparing. And it, it, it came to the point where I was ready to have my notice in. And on the very day that I handed my notice in, and it was in the little chef in Barnstable. Remember the little chefs? They used to do a good champion's breakfast. But actually, I went to the, I went to the little chef with, with, this, with, with my boss. And unbeknown to me, Rye Regional Director had been dismissed on the Friday, and he had a job offer for me. And it was the official offer of the Regional Director's job. And I had a letter for him. And, and you know what? I, 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 he, he, said, he gave me all the spiel, and I had to give him this letter. And he said, I really hope that's not what I think it could be. And I said, look, you need to know this is what... And, and for about three or four minutes, I had the opportunity to say, actually, this is my journey. Eight years ago, I went to India. You know I'm a Christian. This is this. This is that. God's calling me to step out to do this. You know, and on the 1st of April this year, we celebrate 20 years of doing well. 20 years of being blown away. You know, those, those eight years, they were, a, they were tough. And what I'm telling you is the principles that I've talked about this morning are principles that we went through. The dream never went away. It was a lot longer than what I anticipated. But actually, I look back now with hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Have you ever thought to yourself, if only I knew that then? I look back, and some people would say, have you missed an opportunity? Did you miss something? I want to actually say, I thank God that I didn't take those opportunities. I thank God that he guided me not to do them. Because actually, I would be in a completely different place. I would be a completely different person. Because of what I allowed to envelop me. What you choose to do, who you tend to do life with, has a massive influence on what you do and how you conduct yourself. One thing that stood there, we never gave up on the dream. I'm going to finish with this illustration. And, and I don't know whether I've ever used this here. But mum and dad used to do a missions conference in Paynton. Some of you are nodding your head. You used to come to that. And there was a, there was a guy over from, from America speaking. And he was communicating out. I hadn't met him. Me and Rachel had had a really bad week. It had been a horrendous week with, with some family stuff. And it was the missions conference. We're offering to... It, it wasn't a good week. And we got to the Friday night and I've gone, I really, really, really don't want to go to that conference. I really don't want to go. And we got in the car. Rachel dragged me, if I'm honest. She's very good like that. She dragged me there. And, and I've got to be honest, we did have a discussion in the car on the way there. wasn't my head wasn't in it and actually I couldn't tell you what the praise and worship was I couldn't tell you but on the way in the car and you need to hear this 
On the way in the car, I said to Rachel, I am sick of this. I feel like I've knocked on the door. I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I quit. We'll go do something else. This is never going to happen. That's it. I'm done. And I did chuck my toys out the pram, which I am known to do occasionally. We got to the service, the service was going, and this, this minister from, from America, he was speaking, a guy called Irving Rutherford. And actually, the dream, I was hurt, I was battered, I was bruised. And this guy's in the middle of his preach, couldn't tell you what he was speaking about. In the middle of his preach, he, he, was, he just literally jumped off the platform, ran to me and Rachel at the back of the hall, and came up and started to prophesy over us. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's 300 people looking at me. I'm so out of my comfort zone at this point. And what he started to prophesy, I, again, I couldn't really tell you the full details of it. But what I heard was, God wants to tell you that actually you feel like you've knocked on the door. You feel like you've knocked and you've knocked and you've knocked. And you've not had the answer you want. But actually God's telling you this morning that actually now is the time to kick in the door. Now is the time to kick in that door. And we're in tears, we're in a mess. It, it was, and then he's just got, he's, and he's finished. And he's got back on the platform and he's preached the rest of his message. I'm like at the back going, what, what do you do with that? What do you? But you know what? Within a few hours, we were sat with, with somebody and we were getting wise counsel. What do I do with that? How do I process that? That's significant. And actually what we ended up doing, in, and within two weeks, after that significant time, after two weeks, we were sat in front of the board of trustees and we were having a communication with them. We were having a meeting with them. And you talk about how God prepares your dreams and your visions. I think Diane might have even been at that meeting at that point. And I know um, Derek Williams was and a few other guys were. Me and Rachel, God had given us the dream to do well. And he had given us six significant points that we needed to change. You can tell that I like points, can't you? He had given us six points. And we were there on the Saturday morning to do this presentation to the guys. And actually, as we started our presentation, unbeknown to us, the chairman of the board, a guy called Glenn Thomas, who's there on that photo, he had spoken the night before. And he spoke about six points that they should be looking for in the next directors of WOW. Guess what? I got to point three and Derek Williams jumped up in tears, grabbed hold of me and in his accent said, no, I just can't do this anymore. This is, this is something going on. And actually what he did was just reiterate and the six points that we had were the six points that Glenn had spoken. You know, when God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, it won't happen instantly. Sometimes it does, but actually what you have to do, and we heard it last night, when there's fear, we have to be persistent. We have to push through. When there's doubts, we have to be persistent. We have to push through. When we have concerns, we have to be persistent. We have to push through. When all of that starts to happen, what we need to do we need to get on our knees and we need to pray and we need to create space to allow God to speak to you 
I don't know what God's speaking to you to do. I don't know what he's, he's planting in your heart and in your mind. What I want to tell you is act upon it. Don't miss that opportunity to step out in faith to do something. Don't sit on the launch pad and miss an opportunity. God's clearly speaking to you. It's that horrible, uncomfortable, gut-wrenching, butterfly-churning stomach feeling that you've got. Your heart's going, but that's God. You have the choice this morning to do something about it. Don't miss that opportunity. God bless. Well, thank you, Andy. And um, that's a, a, re a real challenge to all of us. And